What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Guest Friday on Not Your Average Boston Sports Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Hayden. You can always listen to the podcast on Apple Music and on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts and Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can follow our socials on uh, Twitter and on Facebook. And uh, today, I guess Friday, I'm very excited to uh, welcome in a uh, fr- fr- friend of the pod, I guess you could say, guy who's been on the podcast a couple times in the past, but uh, making his first appearance on Guest Friday, it's uh, Eric Bellier. Eric, what's going on, man? Garrett, what's going on, man? Um, everything's good. A lot of baseball to get to. I was dying during the lockout, but now, you know, we're good to go now. Yeah, I can imagine. So uh, those of you who remember, Eric's obviously been on the podcast a couple times talking baseball. It's uh, it's great to have you. Great to know that we're actually going to get some baseball this year because I was a little concerned for a minute. Yeah, and a full year, too. It's going to be a, a really weird, crazy sprint to the finish, but it's going to be it's going to be a fun one for sure. And I mean, this feels like, you know, on a day that on a day that's supposed to be the NFL, you know, free agency craze, it almost seems like Major League Baseball is stealing the spotlight a little bit. Yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, it is an interesting in, it's interesting how that has kind of happened that free agency has kicked off, you know, kind of kicked back up at least for baseball the same time that, that football is, is coming in with free agency news. So um, I get I guess to start, you know, obviously taking a look back at the lockout that you know almost hit a hundred days, ninety-nine days. Um, you take a look at some of the new things that have uh, popped up because of the new agreement. So um, postseason format, DH is now uh, universal, plenty of other changes. But um, Eric, I think just to start, I just want to talk about the the lockout and what ended up being the thing that, you know, made it so that or made the made, made the agreement work. Right. So. Basically, the way the way it's gone is everybody likes to try to use the millionaires versus billionaires um, analogy. And I mean, I guess that's true um, in a sense of the players are rich, but the owners are way richer. Um, But really what it came down to was, you know, the players wanted the 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 players wanted the league to be as fair as possible. Um, and they were going to utilize this lockout to basically make the, the teams that you want to have spend, you know, the Baltimore's of the world, the uh, Oakland's of the world, the Cincinnati's of the world. Um, they, they wanted to force them to spend the force their hand to spend money to make the league as competitive as possible. Um, there's this, there's this pool and I forget the exact terminology for it. Um, but there's this pool of money that goes around every year um, that all teams basically just to, to dumb it down, all teams, every team, their ownership throws whatever amount into the pot and it's divvied out throughout the league to different teams. That money is supposed to go back into the league. I mean, back into the team, you know, whether it's signing a guy, you know, using it when you make a trade, things like that. A lot of the lower level, teams that don't spend the Pittsburghs of the world, the Orioles of the world, um, they, they just pocket it. Ownerships just pocket it. Um, and this year you could tell going into the negotiations that it was going to be tough. And listen, 
I'm not, I don't want to sit here and bash the owners. Tony Clark is a tough negotiator with the players union. Um, and he, when him and Rob Manfred butt heads, it's a, it's a drag them out, blow them out, you know, bloody fight between the two sides where it just, everybody was just at a stalemate for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And it just got to the point where the players like, we just want to play. Right. Um, we'll, we'll pass whatever is basically the best one. And, and, and I think, five years down the road when the CBA is up again, this isn't going to be as crazy as it was. Hmm. So now kind of moving into the new things because of the agreement, you know, postseason format, the universal DH, just kind of your, your overall thoughts on, on some of the changes. Um, postseason for me being 12 teams doesn't really bother me okay. um, because it went, it went, it went from 10 to right. Yeah. 10. Yeah. 10 to 12 and it just basically includes like a wild card round kind of like what the NFL has now mm-hmm. um, I, I know with two team people are going to say two team difference shouldn't you know change the world but mm-hmm. the the 14 team format feels very NHL-ish um, yeah. NBA-ish if that makes sense sure um, where they play a lot less games and and this is a is a, a sport that anything can you know, the Marlins made the playoffs in 2020, mm. you know? So I think that's the biggest thing. Universal DH2, I think is huge because from a player standpoint, you know, the players want to make sure that their guys get paid. The union get, that their guys get paid. And there's a lot of guys that National League teams are putting into lineups that should no, be nowhere near the corner infield positions or, the, or, or first base. Right. It's just a matter of fact. I mean, Nelson Cruz just signed with the Washington Nationals the other day. He's mm-hmm. been hitting home runs since, since, I mean, he, he's made most of his money post uh, steroid bust. And it's all been in the American League. Why? Because sure. they couldn't do it here. Right. So I, I just think the league finally realized that they could do things that will help them in order, you know, imagine David Ortiz is a free agent and he wasn't as loved as Boston in, right. in Boston as he was. You know, we could be, we could see him wearing a St. Louis Cardinals jersey right now for, mm. um, you know, things like that. I, I think the the ownership, the ownership groups and the players were able to say this is going to help us, will also help them because the extra mm. playoff means extra TV revenue. Sure. What are what are some other changes that they put in there that you think people aren't talking enough about? I think the the, the potential. I don't remember off the top of my head if they did get rid of the draft compensation. Okay. Um, But if they did, that's huge because, Mm -hmm. you know, after this year, it's huge because there's a lot of guys that didn't accept the qualifying offer and teams, you know, the Mets reap the benefits of that. They have six picks in the first 100 picks, which is huge for baseball. Sure. Um, That and the international draft, which I don't think is going to go over very well. Mm -hmm. Um, David Ortiz was very vocal against it. Um, because recruiting players out of, you know, South America, um, the islands, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, all that. Um, it's a completely different animal signing guys out of there than signing, you know, Jimmy John that plays for Holyoke high school. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a lot different. It's a whole different animal and trying to make it uniform, I think is going to really poke holes into what's going on over there. Um, but that's just my opinion. Um, I think banning shifts is really getting overlooked because it's not like these guys, these, the four guys have to stay in the same position at all times. They can move around the field, but 
I'm sure Joey Gallo is somewhere smiling in Tampa Bay right now. You can't have six guys in right field. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can't have six guys to the right of second base. It's modified. You know, you could have guys standing over second base like they do. Um, okay. But I, I think the modification of it is going to, you know, I, I'm not against the shift, but I'm not for eight guys standing on one side of the field. Sure. So uh, just back to the international draft for a second. There are some people listening and me myself, I'm actually not hundred percent clear on what that is exactly. Right. So basically free agents, you know, whether they're amateur free agents, undrafted free agents in America, um, whether it's at a college, high school, whatever it may be, you know, they're trying to take that format and push it over into the international realm. Um, Latin America, Venezuela, basically take players from all those pools and throwing them into that and trying to make it uniform to how it is here. To me, um, I I think that the the signing process in areas like the Dominican Republican, yeah, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, Venezuela, wherever it may be, it's a lot tougher than it is here because as much as I love baseball and as popular as baseball is, it's an iota of popular compared to over there. It's lifeblood there. Um, It's the, the, the scouts that do work there and work in Cuba and, and wherever it may be, they are the real heroes because they would, you wouldn't have Xander Bogarts, you know, you wouldn't have, you know, you wouldn't have David Ortiz. You wouldn't have Manny Ramirez, Juan Soto, Jose Abreu, you know, household names. Um, and trying to make it uniform, it's, it's more – I'm trying to make this sound. It's, it's more diamond in the rough over there type of okay. signings to where there's not just pockets of talent as there is, just, you know, nationwide I see. up here because of high school and college, if that makes right. sense. You know, okay. you want to throw you and and they also sign younger. You know that um, Juan Soto signed when he was sixteen. No right. one, you're not gonna, you're gonna have a draft full of fifteen and sixteen year olds. It just doesn't make sense. Sure. So now, kind of moving away from the lockout, moving into free agency. Um, obviously, free agency kicked back up a couple of days ago, um, and there have been plenty of moves that have gone on. Um, <laughs> What are some moves that have stood out to you so far? Because well, there have also been there have also been a couple of trades as well. That's what I was going to say. Um, obviously, the two big free agent dominoes are waiting to fall um, with uh, Freeman and Freddie Freeman and Carlos Correa. Sure, but you know, and Chris Bryant, you could throw three in there. Yeah, um, but I mean, some of the trades that have gone on, you know, whether it's the one that broke today with Matt Olson, um, you know, the, the it it blows my mind. And, and I'm not saying this because you know me, I'm a Met fan. Uh, I'm not saying this because I despise the Braves. It blows my mind that you have a Chipper Jones level cornerstone player. That was the heir to the throne. Once Chipper retired, um, a guy that led you to the world series last year, stepped up more than ever when once Acuna tore his eight Ronald Acuna tore his ACL. Um, you sold your farm for Matt Olson. Who's really good. You know, he's a top 10 first baseman in baseball. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, because you didn't want to give Freddie Freeman a sixth year. You know, he's a guy that you want to have on your – in your organization for life. 
And, and to not give him that kind of blew my mind. And I think that's a big leadership mark too. He brings a lot of intangibles. Um, that's a big move that stood out to me. The trade that broke, you know, we talked about teams selling and or teams trading and tanking. Look at what the Reds are doing. You know, they sent, they sent Sonny Gray to the Twins, um, even though they did get a great haul back from them. Um, they just sent Eugenio Suarez, who has a, a, a monstrous contract. And Jesse Winker, who's one of the, uh, you know, more fierce left-handed hitters in the game in Seattle for a, 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 a prospect pool that, that whose biggest name is Justin Dunn, who went there in the trade for um, Edwin Diaz and, and Robinson Cano from the Mets a couple of years ago. But those are the two. Chris Bassett to the Mets was also nice. You know, number three starter, you put him in there behind Scherzer and DeGrom. Um, I still can't believe I could say them in the same sentence. <laughs> Uh, but you know, it's, it's been the trade market for the most part right now, you know, the, you know, the, the Mets biggest free agent signing has been Adam Adovino. You've seen a lot of the, the bench player names, the, the relief pitcher names, you know, no big real, I don't want to say impact players, but high volume, high contract players go anywhere yet. Sure. Cause you know, Trevor Story's still out there too. Right. So um, a trade I was curious about was uh, the Yankees getting Josh Donaldson from the Twins dealing uh, Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela uh, to Minnesota. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you make of that trade? So I know a lot of people that are pissed off about this trade. Um, on the Yankees' end, I know they wanted to get rid of Gary Sanchez. Um, mm. I mean – I would have held on to him for another year. He's in his contract year anyway. Um, you're now paying, you know, on the Yankees end, and, and Gio Urshela, who, who is, you know, the, the Hispanic DJ LeMahieu, where he could play anywhere in the infield, um, a guy who was looking like he was going to be the starting shortstop uh, going into opening day. And Aaron Boone actually said that yesterday, about eight hours before the trade. Hmm. Um those were the two. I mean, I, I think the big deal there was Gary Sanchez um, because they just wanted to get rid of him so, so bad. Um, and just, look, Josh Donaldson, he hit 247 last year, but I also believe he drove in close to 80 runs. Um, he could hit the ball, still play a really good third base, but look, he's 37 years old. And you have, I, I want to find the exact number, but I believe it's something along the lines of like, they have $109 million this year committed to um, committed to uh, Aaron Hicks, um, Giancarlo Stanton, Josh Donaldson, and a couple other names. It's just so crazy. Oh, here you go. Donaldson. Donaldson, Stanton, Cole, Hicks, and DJ LeMahieu are all going to get paid a combined $110 million in 2023. You know, that's, that's a lot of money to commit to, to, you know, yes, Cole is a complete separate entity, entity, but Donaldson's aging. Giancarlo, as long as he hits the way he played the way he did last year, no one's going to complain about paying him. Um, Hicks can't stay on the field. Donaldson has to stay on the field. You know, it's a lot of money to commit to where the Yankees don't spend like the Yankees, if that kind of makes sense. They don't spend the way we're used to, where it was always, you know, in one offseason, it was 
AJ Burnett, CC, Mark Teixeira, you know, whoever, they were always in every single talk. The Yankees were always thrown around. And I mean, you're still kind of seeing that with Freddie Freeman right now, but you really don't hear about anybody else connected to the Yankees. Sure. Um, and then just to turn to the Red Sox for a second, they signed, I believe that they've signed a couple of lefty relievers, uh, Jake Diekman and Matt Strom, I believe. What do you, what do you know about the two of them? Strom's fun. Um, I, I, well, let me start with Diekman. Um, Diekman three years ago was one of the best middle relievers in baseball. Um, he is a guy that can deal, even though he did have some, a little bit of a drop off. Um, I think he's a very good pitcher that can provide innings. Um, and if he's, if his stuff is on, I mean, look out, you're getting one of the best middle relievers in baseball just a couple years ago. Um, Matt Strom, again, these are all low budget deals. Um, right. You know, Matt Strom got, got $3 million. Uh, he got hurt last year. Um, he is somebody that if can stay on the field and you can use him, um, going forward over time, mm -hmm. I think he is somebody that you can utilize, um, again, staying on the field, uh, right. two year deal. I believe it was for 14 million for Strom. Um, not crazy money wise, which is good, but a guy that also has pitched his last few years in a cavernous ballpark in Oakland. Sure. Know? So that's something you got to really take into consideration right. to where you could be very optimistic about, about Diekman as I am, but you have to be cautious too, because going into, you know, left field isn't 310 feet away yeah. <laughs> in, in Oakland. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I guess I'm going to be curious to see what their what their bullpen looks like. But I mean, I also think that there are plenty of some there are plenty of questions that they have in, in, in the offensive standpoint, like in their lineup. You know, I'm kind of yeah. curious about what the plan is exactly in the outfield with them bringing back Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, I think that trade happened so early in the offseason that people forget about it. Um, I was dumbfounded as to why they'd bring JBJ back. Now I know JBJ is a big glue guy, big locker room guy, but he's not a big offense guy. You know, right. he bats, he'll bat you a, on a, as a high, I'm willing to say he won't bat over 235. Um, Kike Hernandez was just as serviceable in center field as, as Bradley is. Now Bradley does have a couple gold gloves under his belt, right. but that's all he's there for. Right. Um, I liked Renfro a lot. Um, but his bat was telling in the postseason because he was invisible in the postseason. Um, outside of losing Renfro, the big thing is, is what they're going to do to replace Kyle Schwarber's bat. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's coming back. I think he's going to land somewhere in the National League and, mm -hmm. and DH for somebody and, and could play a little corner infield or first base or corner, corner outfield in first base mm -hmm. if somebody needs him to. Yeah. But, you know, Who's going to slide in there? Mitch Moreland isn't around. You know, you, you don't have that big, you know, yes, you have JD, but you have to have somebody else that can hit 30 home runs a year. Right. You know, and, and, and Schwarber is that type of player. You saw mm -hmm. him last year. Um, JD once said he wants to finish his career in Boston. So I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. I think they're going to extend him. Uh, but again, Bogart, you got to look out for, because I believe his contract's up soon. Yeah. Um, Devers as well, right? 
Um, oh no, they signed him to an extension. Yeah. But there's there's a lot of guys that this could be the start of the domino effect. Bobby Dahlbeck's going to have to step up. Yeah. You know, Dahlbeck, Dahlbeck's going to have to take a significant role if he's going to be the guy at first base. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I don't see them. Maybe they're a quiet mystery team on Freddie Freeman. But right now, if they don't address the holes in their offense, um, you know, in my opinion, Toronto's the favorite to win the American League East. Mm-hmm. You know, especially if they land Freddie Freeman, which they are. Even though everybody's saying Yankees, Dodgers, Yankees, Dodgers, I think Toronto's heavily involved in there. And Freddie Freeman is Canadian. So I think that could play a factor in there. Um, but it's, it's you know, Boston, I know people were like very going into 2021, were very like held back because, you know, it was the first real year without Mookie. And then, you know, Hein Bloom's coming in. You're not really moving the needle with big-time guys name-wise, but they, in my opinion, overperform. They get they get a quarterback. But, you know, they need, they're going to need to address these situations in their lineup because the rest of the division, especially in Toronto, and you know Tampa's going to be good. You know, guys are – these guys are making moves. So that's, that's just my thing with, with Boston right now. Just the last thing on the Red Sox, do you see them going after Correa at all? Because I feel like I heard about that before the lockout and it's kind of, you know, pretty quiet on that front. Do you think that, do you think that's a possibility? Well, here's what I've said to people when it comes to Boston um, with Correa, who's going to play second base. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. There's a, there's an ego there. There's egos there. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but mm. you know, a-Rod didn't want to move to third base for a while. Right. <laughs> and then he and then he realized he wanted to win. Who's going to take that hit? You know, I, I think if Bo, if you move Bogarts, that's going to, you know, kind of collapse him in a sense of, oh, I don't want to come back here. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, you know, Javi Baez last year when he got traded to the Mets, he said, the only way I'm going to play second base is if Francisco Lindor is playing shortstop. So maybe Bogarts will realize that Correa is that type of player, which he most definitely is if we get to this point and he might bite the bullet and, and go to second, but that's the biggest thing is, is Correa's wherever Correa is going to go, he's going to play shortstop. Sure. That's the, that's the big thing. So, you know, talking about Freeman, talking about Correa, what do you think about Chris Bryant? What do you think a possible landing spot is for him? Bryant's really weird. Um, a guy that, the the trade deadline was surrounded of uh, around the big three from Chicago, Baez, Rizzo, and and um, Bryant. Obviously, Baez and Rizzo both ended up in New York mm-hmm. um, on two separate teams, and and Bryant went out west to, uh, to Chicago. Yeah, no, he didn't go to Chicago. It's San Francisco. Um, it's really weird because he underperformed. You know, I don't think San Francisco was really over overjoyed with how KB played. Um, I heard today that the Rockies are like aggressively going after him, which I mean is odd because the Rockies are in no shape to compete for the division. Um, but, but they're a team that's going after him. You know, I thought prior to when the Mets signed everybody on black Friday back in November, hmm. I was, I was keen on the Mets getting him because he could play third. He could play anywhere in the infield. And he could play a little bit of the outfield. Um, 
And having a guy like that is more than valuable. Um, I could see him going somewhere out West. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Texas comes out of nowhere and throws a lot of money at him because mm. they threw they threw five hundred million dollars at Corey Seager and 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 Marcus Simeon this offseason. So mm. they you know they're not afraid to spend. They want to compete. So I it, he's weird because you really haven't heard teams that are in on him. It's it's been so much about Freddie and so much about Correa that it's almost like Brian's being forgotten. Brian and Story. It's almost like they're being forgotten about a little bit. The way that they're, everybody's uh, classifying what's going on, they're saying that it's the winter meetings and spring training put together because of the lockout. Um, so everything is going on. Something can drop at a moment's notice. You, know, sure. it, you never know what's going to come up, but that's what's, that's what's fun for our end, right? As we're sitting here, Twitter, 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 yeah. just to see – um, what ends up happening. So sure. I, I think he ends up out. Um, I, th- I think he ends up out West personally, um, sure. but that's just me. Hmm. So it's, it's interesting that you mentioned spring training, winter meetings put together. Obviously it's going to be a wild time with spring training games starting this week and, you know, guys still being unsigned, uh, you know, what like what what is that going to look like with guys you know going from being unsigned to going to a team and then being thrown right in there to to play games so the good thing um that major league that the major league baseball players association did was that they set up a camp a two um one in arizona and one in florida um for players to go and train and and get themselves ready to go into this because this is a three week spring training, right. you know, may, uh, opening day, I believe is three weeks from yesterday. So, you know, it's right, it's right there. Um, but it, it's, it's, we've seen this a lot with a bunch of different players, but I think it, 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 it kind of shows you it, who's going to come out of the gate firing. And, you know, there's a lot of teams that kind of have gone through facelifts um, and, and I'll use the Mets as an example, you know, their turnaround from last year to this year, you know, they have a new starting third baseman. They have a new, um, they have a new starting pitcher. They have a new, you know, they have two new, they have a, a number, brand new number two and a brand new number three starter. They have a new center fielder. They have a new right fielder. You know, guys, you're going to see guys come together um, and see who has that camaraderie part you know, right away, you know, Chris Bassett got traded yesterday, flew from California or flew from Arizona to Florida today, yesterday and reported to camp today. Mm-hmm. Things are moving. And, yeah. and as these guys go through, you know, you're going to really tell who is training <laughs> uh, during the lockout because, you know, mm-hmm. there's guys like uh, you Scherzer. Scherzer said, you know, I've been training the entire time. I could probably, he's not the opening day starter. But he said his first start, he could go 100 pitches if he needed to. Hmm. You know, like there's there's guys hmm. that that really took advantage of the time off and just prepared themselves. Right. Um, so you mentioned the the Mets as a team to watch early on. What's another team similar to that that maybe is going has gone through a bunch of changes, and you think that maybe there'll be a team that could compete? Seattle, um, a team last year that I don't think anybody had any idea that they would win 98 games. Um, hmm. They're a fun team to watch. Uh, they're a young team. 
and they've been very active. I know that they were in on story, um, but everywhere you look, Seattle's name's popping up. Going and get getting uh, Suarez and, and Winker today, two big power hitting bats that you could put in the middle of the order, and you mix, with, mix them in with the young guys. Um, they have one of the richest farm systems in baseball. Uh, with Jared Kellenick, uh, Julio Rodriguez, two great out, two great young outfielders, um, Evan White, who's a mountain of a human being that plays first and third for them. Um, they're a fun team to watch. And with Kyle Seeger retiring, it was kind of like the the last of the old Seattle Mariners. You know, mm. Felix uh, King Felix kind of fizzled out, and now you know Ichiro's been gone, and then now it's 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 Seeger. Now it seems like they finally turned a new leaf. Hmm. Um, that's kind of like my dark horse team this year. I okay. think that there, there's every possibility for them to win, to win the American league, uh, American league West. I think Texas doesn't have enough pitching. That's why I'm okay. not so high on them. You can have all the hitting in the world, but if your starting pitchers have a combined four, eight ERA, you're not going to get anywhere. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think I was definitely one of those people that was blown away at how much money they threw at you know, Seager and Simeon, but yeah, you're right. You know, if you can't, if you can't pitch, you know, you're probably not going to be super competitive. And and they're deserving players of those contracts. I mean, sure. by far the richest up the, uh, up the middle in baseball, mm-hmm. but they are, you know, build off that now. Right. You know, you have great, you, you have offense up the wazoo at this point, mm-hmm. them, Adolis Garcia, you know, they just traded for Mitch Garver. Um, they, they have, enough offense that they could have mediocre pitching and get by. But if you have elite offense and good pitching, that's a difference of 10 wins. And, sure. and 10 wins in, in a 162 game season go a long way. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to kind of return to talk about the lockout, but first I had another question I just thought of. So with the season now being moved up a week earlier, does that change any of the schedule at all? Does it make it more compressed? So how is that going to work? So basically what it sounds like they're doing is they are going to, what's going to suck is the rainouts that are going to come because you know, every team gets a handful of them, Um, but they promised 162. They're going to get 162 games, but off see off days have now turned into double headers. So they are that's what they're trying to really work on is where they're going to fill those days because you know you hit july and august these guys are freaking burnt out by then and and now you're going to throw in no more seven inning double headers so now you're playing 18 innings in a day and you're taking away precious precious off time from that precious time off so you know it's not going to be compressed i believe they extended it a week to kind of make it in the same time frame okay um but it's going to be interesting to see what they do when it comes to, you know, getting those games in on top of whatever gets delayed and postponed sure. because of, you know, we can't control mother nature. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, just kind of going back to, you know, the lockout and obviously I think the longer it went on, the more concerned I think people were, but I think in, in your opinion, do you think the lockout did, you know, damage to the game and like, to what extent did it? Well, I think everybody wanted to go back to the 94, 95 strike and say like, this was that proportionate. Um, I think if one side had a leadership change, 
whether it was Tony Clark with the Players Association or Manfred, who I think is horrid, um, this would have gone a lot easier. And also, you got to remember, Major League Baseball, the, the owners basically refused to, to uh, not barter, um, negotiate. There you go. Uh, negotiate for like two months. Hmm. They put it off until then, and then they offered piss poor offers, and it led to being where we are today. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say it affected the game because okay. I think a lot of people care about baseball enough to where they won't go away. And it's not the size, it's not the size of the strike that the players went on in 94. So I mean, there'll be people saying, Oh, this, that, you know, nasty. I'll never watch baseball again. Okay, mm-hmm. see ya. You know, they're not gonna be hurting for that. Huh. Yeah. Um, and then I think, you know, you kind of mentioned it with, you know, maybe changes at the top but like do you think this whole situation does this i mean obviously i think the answer to this is yes but how does this or does this change how the players look at the commissioner's office to be like okay you know we went through a 99 day lockout does something need to change see that's what's so tough is because manfred works for the owners right that's the thing so manfred as horrible as he is and is Terrible of a commissioner he is. He deserves the booze Roger Goodell gets, um, but he doesn't get them. And it, I, it blows me away as to why. Um, but he's a guy that I think the owners like because they're going. He's going to continue to try to keep them happy. So I mean, it, it took it took Bud Selig stepping down to uh, to to get another guy in there. Mm-hmm. So I, I I have a feeling that the only way he is going to to be gone is if he steps down, but this has kind of been the straw that broke the camel's back. The first big thing was the, uh, was the Astros scandal that they just said, eh, whatever. AJ Hinch can't manage for a year. Oh, well, yeah. You know, the, the, the players involved got nothing. They lost a couple of draft picks and they still went to the playoffs every year since. So, you know, it doesn't really change, change much. And then this lockout, albeit the owners probably, um, uh, probably didn't care, you know, but the players did. And he's the big reason why nobody wanted to do anything. Nobody wanted to talk. He didn't want to talk to anybody and wait until the last minute to try to get something done. And the offers that they sent out were so pathetic. And it was honestly sad, you know, as happy as I was that they got the, the lockout taken care of, and you know, there's going to be baseball on time. And, you know, they were sliding in there last minute. Oh, take this lawsuit out. Oh, take this lawsuit out. You know, these are required for you guys to play. It's like, screw you, dude. Like, just just figure it out and play baseball. There's no need to sneak little things in there at the last second. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that it's just good to see that we are, you know, past this at this point. Um, yeah, 100%. You know, I think it obviously is, is great that baseball will be back. You know, I think uh, – it's definitely something that people still enjoy. You know, people are still going to, you know, come out to the ballpark and enjoy the game. Um, I'm just so excited to see how the season goes. I think with how quickly free agency, you know, and, and spring training, you know, are, are coming yeah. together kind of at the same time. You know, it's, 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 you know, going back to what you said about the, about players not signing until into free agency or into spring training rather. You know, you always see a couple of guys go through that, like Bryce Harper did it, Machado did it, 
Um, but that was when spring training was what a month and a half long, two months long. Right. So, so they can get away with it. Now there's guys that are signing that are going to be playing in at city field in, or in Washington in three weeks, you know? So it's like, right. Things are ramping up. They people players shift their lives to Florida or Arizona to to you know have their family down there. I, this is almost like a almost like just a long road trip. It's it's yeah. so odd, but it's so exciting. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's great. It's great that it's back, and you know we look forward to. I, I look forward to hearing more from you. You know, as the season goes we'll on, do something close when it comes um, to opening day. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So um eric thanks again for for coming on and uh yeah you can you can always follow eric and uh as i understand you're doing some some work with the springfield uh, thunderbirds yeah you know digital media stuff with them they're on a roll you know yeah. not to plug hockey talk hockey yeah. real quick but it, it's it's fun they're in first place follow me on twitter eric underscore belly 21 b-e-l-y-e-a is the last name um and yeah thanks for having me brother yeah absolutely sounds good all right guys well uh Talk to you. Talk to you next week. Have a good weekend.